everybody tuning in to episode one of the Failing Awesomely podcast that I have titled Bye Bye Record Deal. I'm so grateful that you're taking the time out of your busy lives to listen to my two-part story of living in Nashville and pursuing a career as a recording artist. This is the very first time Amanda and I turned on the mics and hit the record button just a couple of months ago. So please give us grace. (laughs) I swear I picked the perfect title for a podcast just for the simple fact that I don't feel like I have to apologize for not being a perfect podcaster right out of the gate. So go me for failing awesomely. In this episode, you'll hear a bit about my world growing up in musical theater, what led me to Nashville, and when I hit my big break. Sprinkled in there is a little motherhood talk as well. When you're a mama, it's really hard not to talk about your kids, even when it has nothing to do with the topic at hand. But without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy episode one. Hi, friends. I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the Failing Awesomely podcast. I'm Lindsay Garcia, and I have a desire to share my stories of failure, yes, failure, in business, motherhood, relationships, and while chasing big, big dreams. To say I've taken a lot of risks in my life would be an understatement. Here's the thing. In every failed attempt, there are multiple lessons to be learned, and coming out on top is not only possible, but I can almost guarantee it. Hey. If you fail, that's okay. Learn from it and turn it into something awesome. Recording. Hopefully, yeah, I think it's going good. Okay. Hi, Amanda. Hi. I'm so happy you're doing this, this with me. This is exciting. This is the first time we're pressing the record button to do anything. And I'm going to be sharing my story of failure in the music business which is terrifying for me in some ways but something that I've also been wanting to do for years so I'm kind of happy I'm finally getting to do it because doing a podcast for me is something that I've actually seriously considered for almost a year it was shortly after I had Emmett that I started thinking about it and but it didn't really come to fruition until a few months ago so I I feel like the music business was something that I took and ran with it and I had such a passion for it and such a desire that I didn't care about failure ever and then as soon as I left the business and I came home every single thing I thought about doing I immediately like let the fear sink in because I wasn't I wasn't like emotionally destroyed because of the fact that I had failed before like failed at something big it was just that I put all my eggs in one basket and didn't have a huge plan b I mean you and I have talked about this a lot like we didn't we didn't further our education past high school no and for us, you and I have had these conversations before where we've kind of talked about we're fine with that, but at the same time, we've never, we have felt like other people might judge us for it or. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just something that people assume that that's what you do. Yeah. 
And have you ever felt like less than or kind of like a failure simply because of that? Oh, absolutely. Even in everyday conversations, even if people aren't trying it, it's they mention something about college Mm -hmm. or back in college, I did this or my college days. And um, in those conversations, I can't I can't relate. So I feel like I have nothing to add. And, And then in that instance, then I do feel like maybe they feel less of me. I yeah. feel less of me sometimes in those situations. I know. And it's so, it's not, it's not stupid because it's a real raw emotion, but it's, it's pointless to feel that way because we took a direction with our lives and A, we're doing pretty darn good for us, I think. I think so. And, but it, it just kind of, when you're in a transition period It's something that as a millennial, even though we're an older millennial, we're still millennials. As an older millennial, because I didn't have that to fall back on, it's like I came back home and just felt, what now? And if I try something creative, especially, if I, because that's, I feel God made me to be creative. So everything I tried, I either never fully fulfilled the the new ambition or I um, tried it and then halted it because I didn't get like an immediate success reaction or I didn't get a big reaction from people like oh cool Lindsay might have left the music industry but she's doing something else let's let's see what she's doing and it I didn't think about it from like an egotistical standpoint it was more like do people care at all? And if I didn't get a big reaction, then I was like, oh, people are going to think I'm stupid if I do this. Like, oh, Lindsay, Lindsay's no longer in the music industry. So now she's just trying anything to make something of herself. And poor girl should have gone to college. You know, like that was what was going through my head when I came home. But so Earlier this year, the thing that sparked something within me and I immediately, like the day after Mother's Day, I thought I need to do a, I need to do this podcast. I've been thinking about it. I just need to do it. Even if just for me, even if it's just therapeutic for me to get on a mic with my best friend and tell my story and tell other people's stories and talk about failure and how failure is okay and you can turn it around and make it awesome if if I'm the only one that benefits from this, I'm okay with that. I think that it, that's okay. Like I'm not worried about failing at this anymore. And that's why I'm starting it now. That's why I didn't start it a year ago because I didn't have, it's not even that I have confidence. It's It's just that I don't care if nothing comes out of this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The fear is not there. No, it's really not. And I asked you to be a part of this with me because you have known me. We're going to show our age. You have known, we've known each other for, do the math, 2003. 16 years. (laughs) 16 years we've known each other. So you have known me a very long time. You've known me before I went to Nashville. And now that I've been back, do you know that at the end of this year, I will have been back seven years? Which is 
longer than you were there. No, I was there seven and a half. So technically it's a little bit shorter. But yeah, this New Year's Eve, I will have been back seven years. And I, I can't, like, I cannot believe. And so much has happened in my life. I mean, I got married and had two children and we've lived like five different places <laughs> since <laughs> we moved back. But I can't, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was in Nashville for seven and a half years. I did so much in those seven and a half years. And I felt like I was there a lot longer. Like it felt like 15. I felt like I spent such a huge part of my life there. And probably because it was like the majority of my 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's why I feel like I was there a lot longer. But being back here and knowing, oh, it's already been almost seven years since I've been back. Like that's just. It just blows my it's mind. Boggling. It because it, it's true what people say that um, as you get older, time just goes faster, which is really terrifying. But I've come to accept it a little bit more. I think lately, I don't know, or maybe I just sounded so terrified. <laughs> right time goes faster when you have kids. Oh, that's true. Because there are so many things that you feel like you are just going and going and going and going. And before you know it, it's t- so much time has passed. And that's why they say they grow up so fast. And I know. So much happens that you don't even realize, probably because we have such another main focus in our yeah. lives, that until you have time to really reflect on something else, it does. It feels like it flies. Yeah. Ugh. It's so heartbreaking, too, especially when it comes to kids. Like, I'm not worried about my life passing me by, but when it comes to my kids, like, I'm in that stage of parenting where my kids are super, super young. The whole days are long, but the years are short bit, where they constantly need me for something. I'm hearing mama, mama, mama a gazillion times a day, and then they in a blink of an eye, are a middle schooler like you're Peyton. Can't handle it. I am torn up about it. I know you are, but it happens so fast. So fast. I don't, I don't know how it happened. I feel the saddest part is that I try to think back of his first day of kindergarten and his first day of like second grade or third grade and the things he said back then or the things he did or and some of it's hard to remember and that is horribly depressing oh I bet we back then there wasn't the the technology and the you know not every back then we didn't post everything on social media and we didn't it just social media wasn't what it is now back then and so I worried if I captured did I capture enough moments but all the moments I captured were on a camera Mm -hmm. a digital camera and a camcorder (laughs) when I was pregnant with Peyton in 2007 my brother got me a camcorder (laughs) for Mother's Day that for like two years I recorded his first birthday on it oh that's so cute I remember that like it was yesterday. Ugh. Yeah. And now so we're sad. here. And now I'm like, did I 
did I remember enough? Should I have like written things down? Did I not take enough pictures? Well, you did enough that you get Facebook memories, which are amazing and a destroyer of a mom's day. Absolutely. Because that was you today texting me. Sending your kid off to seventh grade and then having a Facebook memory pop up of like his first day of first grade or, (laughs) or I looked back at a memory and he was in fourth grade and now his little brother just went to fourth grade this year. Tears me up. And there are days I wish I could go back to like my biggest stress was getting my kid to use the potty (laughs) and now it's now you know now he's in junior high do they call it that anymore or did I show my age (laughs) I think you showed your age (laughs) well now he's in middle school (laughs) and there's a whole new set of like worries with Mm -hmm. is he going to fall into a good crowd is he going to is someone going to try to get him to smoke a cigarette is is he going to learn about drugs or sex or I just want to go back to potty training and 5,000 snacks a day. Yeah. See, when you when you say it like that, and I think you are the one who talked about this the most with me, and so it stuck with me that physically parenting gets easier the older that they get, but emotionally it gets so much harder. So parenting never gets easier. No, like you ever. just have a new set of worries and concerns and now's the time where you're really trying to mold a decent in my case a decent man for the world for a spouse that's such a tough pill to swallow because it's such a huge responsibility right and middle school is tough not just for the parent but for the kids think about it you're hormonal you're going Mm -hmm. through changes you have all of a sudden you go you don't get recess anymore no that's true you get you're loaded on with more responsibility more schoolwork Mm -hmm. I got my period in seventh grade you're learning this dynamic of friendships and sometimes you know you drift apart Mm-hmm. Or you find different interests or the, yep. the kids you were friends with in elementary school, they get a new set of friends in middle school and it's hard on them too. Yeah. Sometimes it's, I mean, mostly as like the friend of you and therefore like I love your children almost like my own. But for me, like I just keep thinking about how you feel and I'm not, I'm not there like thinking about how it is for them and their anticipation and then you know all of that thinking about like where I'm at in motherhood and where you're at in motherhood like there's just there's so many opportunities for what we think could be or is failure daily in motherhood and I can't wait to tap into that so much more with this podcast because I think that that is huge for us as moms and we need to know that a failure is inevitable in every in every phase of your life if you're not failing you are not living and we can turn anything around even the mistakes we make in motherhood and make it awesome use it as a teachable moment you know be vulnerable with our kids like be able to tell them like look i messed up 
I'm owning that. Let's fix this as a family, as a unit and move on and, and grow. I have apologized to my kids at times. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I got upset there. Yeah. You know, when I ask them for their forgiveness and they always accept my apology, but I think it's also important to know that sometimes other people don't see our failures, what we see as failures. True. Yes. Especially kids. Yeah. They are very forgiving. Oh, they're so forgiving, especially to their mom. And wonder, oh my goodness, did I, was I too stressed out today? Was I too hard on them today? Did I not, was I not patient enough? And... I go to bed with guilt. Oh, like, yeah. Did I, I fail today? I was not good today. But they don't always see it that way. I would argue that they rarely see it that way. Yeah. They go to bed and they they love me. And even if I lost my temper or my patience was short or maybe I was too strict about something... They don't ever go to bed and say, like, I don't want you to tuck me in. I'm mad at you. Yeah. Never. They still want me to tuck them in. They and still there are kids who do that. Lay with them for a little. That's so sweet. And snuggle before bed. And they are the most forgiving little humans. Even when I feel like I failed today. Yeah. Well, good job, Mom. I hope I still have snugglers when they're 12 and 10. That's my new goal. It is my favorite thing. Yeah, you have good kids. You do. Good job. All right. Well, I really wanted to start out this podcast by telling my story because anybody who's listening to this who knows me at all knows a little bit of my background that I was involved in the music industry since I was little, starting in musical theater. But this Mother's Day, you and I went on a trip, a much-needed, very long overdue, much-earned, very much-earned trip. And we went to Northern Philly to see Kip Moore in concert, and we had a blast. We oh had a really, gosh, really good time. It was time. the best time. Everything just, like, flowed perfectly. Yes, I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. The one thing that we kept saying after when we got back was that couldn't have gone better. I mean, everything that we did, checking into from checking into our hotel to like where we went, getting our nails done, we never had to wait in line for anything. Nope. Everything went smoothly. Even everywhere we ate, the food was great, the atmosphere was great. Like we enjoyed every single part of that trip. And it was only for like one night. Do you think our expecta- expectations are so low now that that's why it was so awesome? Or was it really that awesome? It was really that awesome. But I also do feel like maybe our <laughs> expectations are lowered a tad. Like we ate a meal uninterrupted. <gasps> True. And those. I will think things. that's pretty fantastic no matter where it is. Absolutely. So, But also the factor. food and the wine. Mm. was top-notch oh yeah we did a good job with that very good too good good trip that was a great trip it was 
So yeah, so we went to this show and the thing about going to a show period was it was only the second show I have seen, like second concert I've been to, period, since moving back from Nashville. And I, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's crazy to think about be- knowing that I used to tour the nation for three and a half years singing back up, plus did other gigs here and there and whatnot. And as soon as I moved back, I've been to two concerts in six and a half years. So the one thing that it did was it kind of opened up some old feelings about being in the music industry. And, you know, that used to be me as a as a musician, not as an artist, because even though I did eventually get a record deal, I didn't... Um, tour on my own I tour singing back up for Colt Ford which I'll talk about in a little bit but the other the reason I think it hit me harder than the concert I went to is before is that these were Nashville guys and guys that I sort of knew we didn't know each other well but we were all musicians you know, all musicians on tour, gigging around. It was kind of like being a part of a club. And we knew who each other were. You know, like I knew who they were. I'd hung out with them a couple times sort of thing. So although we were more acquaintances than than friends, I would say, it was still like watching some old buddies like doing it and and succeeding. And it, for lack of a better way to describe it, it was like I felt this pang in my heart that I had not felt in years, in so many years. So, and I, again, like, it's a stretch to say, like, I don't want to misconstrue how I knew him, but I used to know Kip pretty well. Again, we weren't, like, super close buddies, but, you know, he would come out and, on the road and see us on tour and hang out on our tour bus. And I saw him a couple times around town um, and hung out with him like at a bar one night or something. So like I, I knew Kip pretty well. Um, Not in recent years, but just back when I lived in Nashville and I met him like 10 years ago when we both like had just gotten record deals. So to see him succeeding is kind of just I'm so proud like I I really did like the first feeling I felt was pride for him like this is amazing like you're doing it dude and then I felt like oh, I didn't get to you know like did I miss out no I didn't like I love my life but did I miss out and that was kind of what you know went through my head while we were there um this part is not important Beep. And it was such a great show. I mean, it was a killer show. If you ever get a so chance much fun. to go see Kip right. in concert, you're not going to be disappointed. It was amazing. I think recently he was in Hanover. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, if... I think he's coming to Hanover. Oh, he's this coming. Fall. He's this coming to Hanover. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he was already here or if it, I just noticed I that this he was fall. coming. Cool. Go check him out in Hanover. It's not that far. I can't believe he's coming to Hanover. Right. Yes, no offense he will to not Hanover. be disappointed. He has g- great songs, great lyrics. They tell a great story. Definitely. So I'm going to back up a bit because I feel like 
if you again if anybody's listening to this that doesn't know my story they're not really going to know how it started so you know growing up I grew up here in Lancaster Pennsylvania where I am residing again um and I grew up in musical theater that was my start really since I was about I think I was 11 when I started and doing show runs at the Dutch Apple Dinner Theater was primarily where I performed and at the Dutch Apple they did two-month show runs so with two shows a day Um, so that's a lot of shows and I would try as much as I could as much as I could to do shows in the summertime, but there were always like a show or two during the school year. So, I mean, from age 11 to high school, I was pretty much going to school part-time to be a part of musical theater. So when I say music was my life, it literally was like what I lived and breathed. And then I just had to keep up with school. <laughs> That's kind of how I looked at it. Um, but I, at graduation, I got engaged <laughs> to my, you're, this is going to kill you, my middle school sweetheart. Stop it. <laughs> yes. Stop it. Middle school. So what if Peyton meets somebody that he might be with until he's like 2021 20, and engaged to? I'll be like, oh, I am so busy with soccer right now, but you seem like a really great girl. <laughs> Maybe later. Like. <laughs> after high school what's that's your wishes <laughs> but what's funny is I could I can honestly hear Peyton say that to a girl like I'm yeah I'm really busy with soccer right now he but I think girls are cute I'm good you're good right now which is good but yes but I got engaged to my middle school sweetheart um and there's nothing bad to say about that relationship or even about the end of their relationship. He was a great guy. But my world completely turned upside down because I graduated. I got engaged. I got a job as a receptionist for a dermatologist and completely like music wasn't even a part of my life. And for somebody who that was all I did, like that, that was the majority of my life was music or musical theater to go cold turkey and not do any of that as a creative that was super super hard for me and it just sent me down this rabbit hole of what I know now had to have been depression I mean people didn't talk about depression a lot back then um especially in kids I think so because I was I was even though I was 18 I was still a kid right um so I feel like I was I was like deeply depressed but um we ended up a year later ending our engagement and in just three weeks I was in Nashville like I up and moved to Nashville to pursue my music career in three short weeks after suddenly us not so suddenly because I it I hadn't been good for a while but I think for a lot of people it was a sudden breakup and then I went to Nashville pretty much right away so you and I were not only friends back then, but you were a bridesmaid. Like you were supposed to be in my yes. wedding. And then yep. on, on top of that, I like up and left. So how was that for you? Like, did you think I was crazy? I did not think you were crazy. I, I admired you because I would have never had the courage to do something like that. I am way too, 
I'm not adventurous. I'm not up for anything that's spontaneous or anything that I could fail at. Mm. Ironically, I have kids and I fail all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember exactly where I was when you called me and told me you were leaving mm. and that you quit your job. And that you were moving to Nashville. I was in my car. I remember the exact intersection I was at. Really? <laughs> because it was such a momentous like thing for me. Because now I have to know. I, okay. I was at the intersection at 272 and Penn Grant Road. Oh, really? So just right over here? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yep. <gasps> I was sitting there. I was waiting to turn left mm-hmm. on 272. I remember that before I left for Nashville, you and I went to our favorite place, which was House of Pizza in Millersville. Yes, the best cheese fries. Oh, best cheese fries. That's what we would always get. And we did like a mini photo shoot at my mom's house. (laughs) Just like taking a bunch of pictures of us with a camera, a disposable camera. Oh my gosh. That we then took to like a CVS and got developed. Oh my a one-hour photo development, which is unheard oh, of so now. Funny. Um, yeah, dang, we're old. We are, but no, that was a very momentous like time for me. I was so happy for you, but I was like, "What am I gonna do without her?" No, I felt the same way too about you, about not having my best friend with me, and. Because up until this point, like, we had worked together at the mall. Yep. And we spent a lot of time we together. We spent so much time together. So then, yeah, you were leaving, and I was like, when am I ever going to see her again? I know. But do you know what's crazy is, well, no, not what's crazy, but what I appreciated so much is you are not only the friend that visited me the most in Nashville, but... You were the first. It's totally fine. Do you, what is crazy? Okay, no, say it. I have to pee so bad. She never has to pee because she never <laughs> drinks I liquids. Don't. And then I'm feeling under the weather. I've had two cups of hot tea, and <laughs> we all know what that does. <laughs> That's why I just had to get that on record. Pause for pee break. So we say our goodbyes in Pennsylvania, and I take my butt to Nashville. I made you a CD. You did? You made me a mixed CD? I made you a mixed CD. If that's not a sign of the times, I don't know I think I still have it. Yes, there were songs about friendship. I'm pretty sure the Golden Girls theme song was on there. It was. Do you know what else was on there that still to this day, I will cry And it's because I think of you, not like, I'm just going to say the song. And if anybody knows it, you'll understand why it's hilarious that now that I'm a mom, I wouldn't like think of my kids. I think of Amanda, but who I call Minnie, by the way, because I don't want to keep saying Amanda. That's weird. You're Minnie. It's weird for me to say Amanda. Um, But when you made me that CD, the Phil Collins song, You'll Be In My Heart. (laughs) (laughs) still to this day if I hear that song I will at least get teary-eyed because it makes me think that that was a song that you had on that mix CD I remember that I'm sure if I listened to that now I'd be like we're gonna have we're gonna have to find it and figure out what's on there 
That's but hilarious. Yes, we said goodbye. I made you a CD for your drive. <gasps> yeah. Ugh. Perfect. You're a great friend. Thank and you. We're gone. I know. Got to Nashville. I got an apartment in a sketch part of town, and I had no idea it was sketch until after I had already signed a lease, was there, and I was fine. Like, I never really felt that unsafe, but um, got a sketch apartment, got a job, and started singing demos, um, and I got that gig through a friend of a friend from Lancaster. Um, he was a an established drummer in town. He used to be the drummer for Blake Shelton back when, back, back when Blake had first started. Um, and he did a lot of uh, studio recordings and whatnot. So he was he's from Lancaster. And he's the one who got me the gig singing demos. So I started doing that. and But f- I mean, I was there for a good year and was spinning my wheels and like, didn't know my direction and didn't know what I was going to do. I was still doing demos here and there. I was starting to sing backup a little bit for some people who mostly did gigs around town. Sometimes there were some gigs at festivals in other states, other cities, but it was mostly local. And I, I just didn't really know what to do or where to go. And I, you know, I mean, it's, you know, the typical story, if you've, if you've heard anybody else's story about being a female in a big city trying to make it in the entertainment industry, I mean, you get a ton of male figures that are trying to take advantage of you in one way, shape or form and telling right, you that you they're trust? going, yeah, they're going to give you the career of your dreams I just I was not about that at all. I mean, I would shoot down anybody that even dared tried to take advantage of me in any way. So for a long time, I I didn't use that as a crutch. I actually used that to push myself forward. But I felt like, man, if this is what it's like to try to make it, am I ever going to make it? Like, am I ever going to get ahead if I know I'm I'm not going to go that route? Like, how how am I going to make this happen? So fast forward to 2007, early 2007. So I was there about a year and a half, and there's an open call for this reality show called Nashville. And I went to, I got callback after callback, and I ended up being one of the first people cast in the show which is pretty cool. I remember that there was an article in People Magazine and I saved it. You did? I did. Oh, so sweet. I at think the, I had it at too. At the time. But... And don't ask me where it is now. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> where it is. If I have it, I don't know where I it is either. I absolutely saved it. You're a good friend. Um, so, yeah. So we started filming that. It was produced by Go Go Lucky, which was the same company that did Laguna Beach. So, you know, ev- all of us were pretty excited because we were all Laguna Beach fans. Um, super excited about being a part of it. We filmed an entire summer. I mean, a summer with like cameras in your face and drama and, you know, but we, I also got to meet so many people. I got to perform so much more than I ever had in the year and a half that I had been there. I got to meet the big dogs 
the top dogs in the Nashville industry that like I probably wouldn't have had a chance to meet, especially at that time, without the show. So it was an amazing tool. And I had all these opportunities lined up for me in anticipation for a hit show. And then it aired in September and bombed. (laughs) I mean, completely bombed. It aired, I think, two or three episodes, three tops for sure. It might have, it might have been three episodes. And then they put the show on hiatus. It was on Fox. Um, Fox put the show on hiatus and was trying to shop around because some other networks were interested in the show. Um, But then nothing ever came of it. So they eventually dropped the show altogether. And I was kind of back to square one. I mean, I I had made enough connections that I felt more confident, but all of my big opportunities lined up, all went away. Um, But it did connect me to Colt Ford. So through somebody that I met on the show, I met Colt in late 2007. And he was really looking for a female singer to back him up on his gigs and in the studio um, for his recordings because he was a, and still is, a country rapper, which other than Cowboy Troy, it wasn't a thing. So he was really one of the first to do it in this industry. Um, And I kind of thought it was awkward, but I liked him so much. Like he was such an amazing person that was just warm and not creepy and he was straight and to the point and I wanted to be a part of what he was doing so I joined his band in 2008 and I toured the U.S. with him for three and a half years and I ended up getting a record deal in 2009 with a branch of his company, his uh, his company and his record label was Average Joe's Entertainment and my the branch of what my label was that I got signed to was AVJ Records because I actually, through the course of being in Nashville and through writing a lot of songs, co-writing a lot of songs, I really figured out that I didn't want to be a country artist. I wanted to be a pop artist. Um, that was just more my style. So that's what I went for um, and started making an album through the course of that time. And I, I was constantly writing, constantly demoing my music. We were recording every chance we got in Nashville. Um, and it, it, it really was an amazing time. And I really, really did think that it was going to go somewhere. Um, but... Just because you make an album doesn't mean that it's going to get released. And still to this day, even though no one has heard it, it's still an accomplishment that I will forever be so proud of myself for. And it's what, it's one of the things that makes my journey worth it, even though I didn't come out to some people on top but I'm going to talk about that more in another episode dive in deeper with that